Ooh. Ooh, I can't sleep. Because it's like Christmas Eve for us film fans, isn't it? Because this week, Avengers Infinity War is out. Ooh. I would say 10 years uh, in the making, or 10 years of anticipation. But that's not entirely true. When, when Iron Man was coming out, I was only really looking forward to the Avengers, not the Avengers 3. So six years, maybe, I've been waiting for this. That's probably the most accurate way of putting it. And I think that's true of all you guys, too, really. But it sounds better if you say 10, doesn't it? Yeah, we, we have a lot more to say about these ones than our typical Marvel episodes. So I hope you enjoy. Obviously, uh, spoilers abound for The Avengers and Avengers 2. Enjoy. Hello! And welcome to Diminishing Returns. This is a podcast starring (laughs) Calvin, (laughs) Saul, and Alan. Alan. (laughs) I forgot which one it was. That's two words you did, two words. Uh, oh no. We we're we're doing it as a team, the intro. <laughs> yes. Just like the Avengers. <laughs> we work together. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're doing the Avengers. Right, why? Why? Because Because the, there's the a new film, film coming out. of the decade of the ever the biggest film ever made is coming out. Mm, mm, Avatar mm. two. <laughs> <laughs> no. Avengers Infinity War. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of war. <laughs> I do actually worry that this is the end for blockbuster cinema and there's no, like, <laughs> they will never, like, regardless of quality, I, I just can't see a film being bigger than Infinity War ever. It's just yeah. going to be too much to even try after this. It's going to be fatigue. Mm. And... Well, what about the second Infinity War? I think that'll be about <laughs> the same and we'll get, it'll be all right. Mm. We'll have, we'll have two of them. And then after that, we'll be like, Right, fuck that. Give us Ant-Man 3. Let's just chill out. Take it, like, make, have smaller films for a bit. And then Star Wars will come out and everyone will be like, mate, just give me 15 oh, minutes, no. all right? I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to go yeah. again. Mm. Well, see, that fatigue for me set in about 2004. So <laughs> you'll start to get an idea of how I feel. Well, I for, for me, like, at the time, 2012, when the first Avengers film came out, Marvel's Avengers, as it's known here in the UK. No, it's um, not. That's... Marvel's Avengers Assemble in the UK. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. To distinguish it from the 1960s TV show, The Avengers, which is nothing to mm, do with mm. the uh, Marvel franchise. Mm. Here in the UK, when that film came out, I remember thinking, like, wow, this is a pretty mm. big deal. Like, this is a huge blockbuster. and. Yeah. Uh, it kind of unprecedented in a way mm. to do what Marvel had done to build up to that film. Yeah. Um, so you know a bit more about the history than I do. Um, could you talk us through it? Yeah, I mean, um, Marvel were obviously a comic book company primarily. They were facing bankruptcy. Because comic back. books are for losers and nobody likes them. That was that's 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 speaking in 1997. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they started selling the the film rights to their characters to the likes of Sony who. Bought Spider-Man and and 
uh, Fox who bought X-Men and what have you. And then they were kind of, I think, relatively comfortable in about 2005 or six or whenever Iron Man went into production. And they just, they had this vision for um, doing what the comics did, but on screen. And the comics for the longest while had been this shared universe thing. And that was just how it worked there. You know, they all inhabited the same world and it meant that stories were full of crossovers and people liked it. So yeah, they just sort of thought, well, there's no reason that won't work in films. We might as well do that to be a distinct thing now that the superhero boom's happening. Um, mm. But we've sold all our good characters. So that's when we got a load of films to launch the likes of Iron Man and Thor, who they had faith in as characters, but no one was particularly familiar with. And they did a good enough job making good films that people connected with them and, and grew to like the characters so that by the time the Avengers was rolling around, it was going to be this legitimately huge event that they kind of planned mm. for it to be from the get-go. And I was aware of the Avengers from, I think, before I went to see Iron Man because I uh, am a fan of Edgar Wright, who was working on Ant-Man uh, with Joe Cornish before Iron Man even came out. And for, for the longest while, I think it was looking like Ant-Man was going to be part of the Avengers, because the original comic, uh, the first ever lineup of uh, superheroes in the Avengers comic book was, I believe it was Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Ant-Man, and then Incredible Hulk was like a villain. Well, not a villain, Loki, like, as kind of happens in the second Avengers film, Loki kind of made Hulk go mad and attack people, so they had to stop Hulk as their big uh, villain hmm. in the first comic. So people just kind of assumed that was going to be the lineup in the film, and obviously Ant-Man got pushed back and changed and wasn't in the Avengers, and they added in Black Widow and Hawkeye, who no one cares about. Well, no, people care about mm. them, but yeah, it, it was this whole thing. But it was a massive, um, yeah, unprecedented gamble on the part of Marvel, really. They, they kind of had mm. to put all their eggs into the basket of... Iron Man, followed by The Incredible Hulk, followed by Thor, followed by Captain America. They could have got away with maybe one or two of the films not being that successful, and um, mm. arguably The Incredible Hulk wasn't that big a deal, certainly culturally, mm. but they largely pulled it off, I think. And yeah, I, I think it's quite remarkable, really. Um, and it was one of these things where I know plenty of people who were excited to go and see The Avengers who hadn't seen Thor, or who hadn't seen Captain mm. America, and had only seen one or two of the films, but... It kind of works as a standalone thing for the most part. It it kind of works as Iron Man 3 or Thor 2 to an extent. Maybe not so much with Thor, he's not in it as much as the others, but frankly I'm amazed it took people this long to figure out this as a business model for films, because crossovers have always been a good um, way of getting bums on seats. You know, it's normally the, the thing a franchise turns to when it's in its dying breath it, it latches onto another similar franchise they cross over well that's why it hasn't got a very good reputation is it yeah i, I, I think i think you kind of na- hit the nail on the head when you were talking about like how high risk it was really because mm. you're investing in five quite large <laughs> yeah. films and i think now we sort of take it for granted and i think like especially with warner brothers like mm. you know announcing trilogies of superhero films like all the time but back in 2008 i think it was sort of unprecedented really to have that bigger vision. And still now, I'd say Marvel's the only company that's kind of pulled it off. Lots of companies have gone yeah. gung-ho into attempting to emulate what they did, and 
they just haven't really managed to maintain quality uh, across the films and mm. more often mm. than not the whole thing falls apart before they get to it <laughs> seeing fruition mm. um i think dc and warner brothers are the only other companies that have sort of followed through with their plan mm. and obviously it, it didn't go down nearly as well uh, mm, but I think mm. the Avengers is, and I might be wrong here, but I'm fairly sure it's the first time a crossover has ever been planned from the get-go and something that was built to from the start. Um, mm, mm. You know, when they, when they did it with the old Universal Monsters and stuff, it was very much an afterthought. Like, well, what can we do now oh, yeah, on Frankenstein yeah. 6? Oh, slap Dracula in there. Cool, yeah. Whereas this was from the get-go. We're making Iron Man with a view to him teaming up with Thor and, you know, several films mm. down the line and we're going to lay the, uh, you know, hints of things to come and obviously they, you can tell watching the films, they didn't have it all worked out themselves, but they were just kind of mm. sowing seeds, leaving the door. That's it, and you're giving themselves room so that if you make Thor and then it turns out everyone hates it, it's shit, you just sort of shuffle him out and they go, oh, and now, yeah, it's Iron Man and... Uh, yeah. Ant-Man, they're pairing up. That's going to be the big crossover. Yeah. I think it, it also gave um, individual filmmakers the ability to make each film their own. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure if they still... Maybe they do still um, have that uh, way of producing them. Yeah, I'd say they do that now more than ever with the likes of Thor, Ragnarok and Black Panther. And Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, um, well, should we dive right into the first film then? Yeah, the, the Avengers was talking of giving people, you know, a film to make their own. It was Joss Whedon who was hired to to write and direct, and that was... Huh. I'm amazed you could get him out of church for long enough to, <laughs> uh, to write and direct a massive blockbuster film. God. It's a little reference to our God's Not Dead episode, everyone. Go back and... Starring listen. Joss Whedon. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a, a, a bit of a surprising move, because I think a lot of people were expecting someone who'd helmed one of the previous Marvel films to step up and, and do it. Um, John Favreau, I think, was the obvious ah. choice who'd done Iron Man and Iron mm. Man 2. Thankfully, he didn't do it. I'm not... I'm, I don't know, actually. Uh, yeah, I think he was a name in the mix. I think Joe Johnston was being thrown around. Um, mm. Thankfully, they, they got Joss Whedon, and I think his his writing style, his script is a huge part of why the first film works as well as it does, uh, in in my opinion. Mm. That's kind of me laying my cards down. I think The Avengers is great. Really was the culmination of things Marvel was building towards. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's the only Marvel film that I've gone back to, like, out of personal choice not for like you know a podcast review or because friends are watching it like i've actually Mm. gone i've seen it like three times just because i really like it Mm. i think it really works as a good solid action film and i don't feel like i need to see the other preceding four or five films to like it as much as i do it's so easy to watch as well i i found I, i don't know quite what it is about it but i it's that thing where people often talk about, you know, films that if you walk in and it's on TV, you'll just kind of sit down and watch mm. the whole thing. And mm. I, I get that with The Avengers, and I don't know why it is. It's it's such a long film, and there's mm. a lot going on, and it's, it is just like big action. But I just find it very, just so easy to sit down and watch and enjoy. I, I've gone back to it quite a few times as well. Mm. Well, I mean, I this isn't my genre. We've established that, but I, I found these films quite watchable and very much 
I did have that effect in the last hour where I'm just like, okay, this is enough now. I'm I'm bored of it. It's descended into just action scenes and I don't care anymore. Like these mm. films just, why don't they just make them 40 minutes shorter? Like, let's understand well, how long a film should be. I think The Avengers was justified in being a long film. Like, I think if ever a mm. film was going to justify its running time, it's a film like this that has like six, uh, well... Five characters who could all claim to be the protagonist. <laughs> that's that's the thing that really weirds me out with this film. There is no protagonist. Hmm. It's like a really weird, like avant-garde move. There's no, there's no clear like hero's journey. You're, like you're not meant to single out any specific one character as your hero. You're kind hmm. of just, I don't know. It's this feeling of just watching like chess pieces moving around almost, but they've all got personality and and character and. I think it's a true ensemble, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and very few movies manage to accomplish that without someone sticking yeah. out. And But even in this, like, Robert Downey Jr. is obviously the one with the most personality and he's the fun character and everything. Yeah. But I didn't feel like he was overshadowing, like, mm. Hulk and Thor and Captain America. Yeah, and given that Loki is the major villain, you'd mm. think that Thor might be a central figure. But then, mm. yeah, again, it doesn't particularly do that. Mm, mm. mm. Yeah, and and so I mean, who is in this one? We've got Iron Man, uh, mm-hmm. Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America, uh, and then Black Widow introduced in Iron Man mm. Two, Hawkeye introduced in Thor, I think, mm. in a little cameo, and uh, Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson as well. Ah, yes, yes. Um, mm. Mm. Um, who's man. everyone's favorite? <laughs> uh, I like Iron Man. I was going to say it's probably Iron Man. I think he's yeah, he's favorite. the best. Yeah, I like Hawkeye. <laughs> said nobody ever eh? <laughs> but I, I must say I do I do really like uh, the Incredible Hulk Bruce Banner mm-hmm. um, I like I, I like Thor. I like I really like Bruce Banner not mm. that fussed about the Hulk yeah yeah, yeah I, I mean, get well, some good moments yeah I'll, I'll say Bruce Banner's the reason I like the Hulk rather than yeah but it's a cool power that he can you know that he has to well, bust out when he needs The to. thing I like about Bruce Banner is that it's this fear of what he can become, you know? So obviously you need the Hulk there, but when he is just the Hulk, it's just Hulk smash. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not bothered about that. And I love Thor's character, but I don't know if he necessarily has that much of it in this first Avengers film. I don't mm. know. But, yeah, um... And and Black Widow as well, we should add. She was in Iron Man 2. She was really generic and boring and, like, nothing Mm. in that film. She's actually got some personality in the Avengers. She's actually, like, a character, um, Mm. which is, you know, that's Joss Whedon's doing. I'm sure he went out of his way to make her a um, character that kind of stood toe-to-toe with the others and, you know, wasn't Mm. neglected like Hawkeye was. And no Mm. one cared about Hawkeye, so... Well, to the extent that he's not even on the poster for the new film. Uh, no name or anything. Why is Hawkeye in these films? What's the well, point? Jeremy Renner was a thing back in, like, 2012-ish. Oh, they were trying to make him a thing. He was yeah. in Bourne, and... I, I guess maybe with the right kind of actor, this could be a really cool character. But mm. it's Jeremy Renner. Could he, though? Because mm. he's just some knobhead with, like, a magic thing full of bows and arrows. It's just... Yeah, yeah but oh, imagine yeah. if that was, like, Will Smith. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Suicide Squad? But yeah, you know what I mean? Be? No, but if you know... Yeah, but that's, that's, guy, that's someone guy. who can just, yeah, shoot really well. But, like, you put someone with character in it. Yeah. 
could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think so. Mm, um, I don't know if he'd ever be as interesting as a guy with a robot suit and the Hulk and a, a Norse oh, never, god. Yeah. And, mm. you know, mm. Captain America struggles to be as interesting and he's still like a <laughs> super soldier with like, you know, he's been through World War Two and what have mm, you. Mm. That's very true. So anyway, let, I, let's sort of get stuck into the film a little bit. Mm. Um, I did make notes as I went through. I made a lot of notes, actually. I don't know why particularly. I didn't particularly take to the opening. It felt like a Transformers yeah. film. Mm. Uh, and there was just a lot of fantasy nonsense that I wasn't really... Like, that doesn't mm. bring me in. Yeah, I have made a note that the, the opening sort of prologue is... Uh, or prologue is... It's almost like a weird trailer for the film you're about to watch. It doesn't really <laughs> yeah. feel like really part of the film. It's strange. I still don't really know what the Tesseract is, and it's in like half of these films. That's different from an Infinity Stone, isn't it? Or is it no, an I, Infinity Stone? I think Stone? it is an Infinity Stone. Um, okay. It's mm. uh, it's just a, a, a MacGuffin that has loads of like energy, and you can harness it for you know energy that powers different machines and weapons. Hmm. I don't think you meant to think about it in too much detail. Oh. It's just a powerful, mystical object. Everyone well, just cares about it so much on screen that I sort of always feel like yeah. I need to know why, and I can never remember what the old Because you can end the world after. with it. Yeah, and this is my... Pr- it, it just goes just on the other side of that line that is fantasy nonsense rather than science-based nonsense. And and it's it's a... Hmm. I know it's a, it's a thin line, especially when some of your characters are gods and all that sort of thing. But it, it's a... It's a distinct line for me, particularly because it, it, it's whether I buy into it or not, and and the whole tesseract thing. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. So in this first sort of exchange, we have Loki being summoned up by a tesseract or something. So Loki turns up basically and starts kicking off. Uh, Samuel Jackson's there, and my thoughts immediately on this scene were Tom Hiddleston isn't trying. He's he's just not putting any effort into it. <laughs> he doesn't um, need to. And it, and it also really, if you watch that scene, I don't think Samuel Jackson was in the room <laughs> as anyone else. I guess he wasn't available. It's, but the way it's filmed, it just looks like, oh, look, here's a shot of everything going on. And there's Samuel Jackson on in a single shot. And he goes, I don't think they were ever in the same room at the same time. It was weird going back to this first Avengers, actually, just being reminded of the likes of Agent Coulson. It's like, oh yeah, that guy that we were expected to care about. Who... <laughs> oh yeah, I've got, I've made notes about that. As well. <laughs> I, my first thoughts were, yeah, Tom Huddleston isn't really trying. But then, I must admit, he, you know, when he had a bit more to do later on, you know, and he's he's a solid actor. But then, oh, I mean, this I, is this is his like, uh, oh, what's the word? Only I thing mean, he's ever done. No. The role he'll be remembered for. Well, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, but he's he's great in this, and I, I don't think he needs to try particularly hard. I think Tom Hiddleston in role as Loki on autopilot is all this film needs. He's this effortless kind of knobhead who arrogantly <laughs> wanders around spouting Joss Whedon dialogue and then mm. getting smacked about of it. It's brilliant. That's all you need. He's a he's a great villain that this film really lives on the back of like this film would not have worked to the level that it does without a great villain and mm. yeah like he really makes it i think yeah he's really good i i, I the, um the character annoys me just because on social media and such there yeah. is a real fan community based <laughs> around loki and yeah. a certain kind of um person really uh you know gets on the loki bandwagon and um 
So the same people who love Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Uh, it really annoys me. I don't know what it is about these pasty oh, you know upper-class what, twits, but... I've mm-hmm. I've recently decided that I'm a huge fan of the kid who played young Benedict Cumberbatch in that Alan Turing film that I haven't watched. <laughs> Alex Alex Lawther, is that what he's called? Oh. He's fantastic. I love him. Huh. Yeah. So mm. I'm I'm on board with him now. He's one of my favourites. Mm. Up and comer. Oh great. One to watch. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm. Very good, very good. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do. I do really like Loki, though. I mean, I I like the character. I just I made a note that Tom Hiddleston wasn't trying. We've talked about this before, and I said I don't think I've ever seen Tom Hiddleston play anything else except Loki. Oh, that's. And I don't know what I, this no, reputation of being a good actor is. I've never seen him do anything else. I think he's. Mm. Um, he was the best thing in War Horse, from what I remember. It's not a very good no. film, but I remember him being quite good in it, and he. But I, and I think he varies as Loki from film to film as well. I, I don't think he's that remarkable in the first Thor. I think he really mm. comes alive in the Avengers. That's why people love him, is the Avengers. Then he's not that great in Thor The Dark World. Then he's great again in Thor Ragnarok, where they kind of, you know, gave him a bit of an interesting journey and material to work with. And he's definitely better at playing comedic Loki. Can't, yeah, exactly. They've played him comedic. That's yeah. the difference. But that's, that's the same's true as uh the same's true with Chris Hemsworth as Thor. He mm. he comes alive when he's allowed to like have fun as Thor, but it, when he's sort of got to do it seriously, it's a bit like, yeah. He is still a bit po-faced at this point. I guess it was mm. only his second film. Um, yeah. I made a note of that as well that he still talks in that kind of affected mm. Oh, I am from the mighty Valhalla sort of speech that he has. Yeah. Whereas yeah. by Thor 3, they just don't care anymore. And it's just like, oh, oh Loki, oh, you're at it again. Oh, I'll stop you. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, I, I did make a note generally that it felt like most of the performances in this were kind of lackluster. It didn't feel like a lot of effort. And, and because it was so widespread, I think that's down to direction. I don't know if Joss yeah. Whedon is particularly an actor's director. He's a writer. So maybe he was just like, Stick to the stick to the script, right? I, I wrote it. <laughs> mm. Um, once the action all kicks off in the Avengers, it, uh, I I really love it. Like once they get up mm. on top of the uh, big ship thing that Samuel Jackson has. Mm. Oh no, uh, that that's all really cool. Oh what what do you not like that stuff? No, I was gonna say, of course you'd love that James Bond bullshit in the middle before the before the film gets fun. I do have a question about the physics of that. <laughs> How did that thing take off out of the sea? <laughs> Just doesn't matter. It's Tesseract juice or something, isn't it? I remember that that helicarrier thing, and I remember thinking in the film, like when I remember when I first watched. Every time I watch the film, I just think, "You think this is so much cooler than it is." And I'm thinking, like, <laughs> oh, does anyone care about this like base in the sky? Me. But it's so impractical. Oh, who? Oh. Cares, it's cool. Well, they do in the film when when he shoots an arrow and like brings the whole thing down, and they have to spend half an <laughs> hour like trying to keep it in the sky. I love all that stuff. That's really good with like Iron Man, like trying to get the propeller going yeah, again. That, that is, is a cool doing scene. their own thing. Captain America yeah, kicking um, grenades like a little football. It's great, but yeah, but I don't know. It, I never thought the heli carrier was like good, but I guess people must do it. Must just be me who doesn't care. <laughs> Um, mm. The action's good though, I agree I'm just not that bothered mm. about the mm. secret agent spy bullshit in these films Yeah, I, I like all that um, Phil Coulson gets killed 
uh, yeah. Oh my god, no, Agent Coulson, how will we all react to that? <laughs> that that was well that was meant to be a huge deal at the time, like, oh, they're killing someone mm. off and it's what motivates the characters to pull together and and it's just mm. like even at the time it was like, what who cares? It's this guy who's had like two lines in a few films that like <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's one of the few connective you know, tissues that's really gone between mm. films, but he's not had any, like, amazing moments in any of the films. He's not, like, a fan favourite, is he? And apparently he was, but... What? Yeah, well, and then they brought him back for the TV series, yeah. of course, but I think the thing that really annoys me is that they make him a geek, don't they? Because they have him be oh, sort yeah. of, like, a, a fanboy of the superheroes, yeah. and it just, uh yeah, it really riles me up that that they have to sort of have an avatar for like the audience, like the childlike, mm. you know, the child in all of us is bit getting killed on screen, and yeah, and and this is it. Like, I think I think Avengers: Infinity War is gonna like actually kill some significant characters off, and it's it's gonna be it's about time. Yeah, whereas this just felt even at the time it just felt so lame. Like, oh, what that we're meant to mm. care about that because they could have killed yeah, someone. Yeah. If they needed someone to bring it together, they could have sacrificed someone like Natalie Portman. Yeah, exactly. Like one of the loving, exactly okay. Natalie Portman. There you go. Let her come in for a mm. day's filming. Everyone's sad because it's Thor's girlfriend, and it you know she's mm. out of her contract. Mm. Done. Yeah, yeah. You'd think that that would mean more to the group than this sort Stellan Skarsgård's been sort of hanging around. Yeah, Hawkeye. Yeah, another one. Kill him off. Yeah. Brilliant. Someone yeah. with some personal connection. Yeah. And and just in a similar note, who is the agent white lady who just hangs around with Samuel oh, Jackson? Oh, Maria Hill is Maria that? Hill. Is she supposed to be an established character? Because she's like taking on an important role as his like right hand man, and then I think this is her film debut, and she's been in quite a few of the films since, but it's always in a very small. Mm, yeah, it felt like seven. that character just needed more, yeah, to actually be introduced properly and like given a bit of character. She's a known. Is she in any of the TV shows? Oh, she's probably in Agents of Shield. I don't know. Um, mm. She she's known for How I Met Your Mother. She's one of the um... mothers. <laughs> she, I put her and um, Emily Van Camp, who was in, I think she was in the second Captain America film first. Um, but there's just these, um, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. women yeah. who are never a big part of the film. Yeah. They just sort of pop up. And then I know they're in multiple ones. I can't tell you which ones they are in, but uh, they don't really do anything. And I don't know if they're there just to sort of test the water for like, oh, well, we might make a film with one of these ladies yeah. if people like them enough. And no one does. I think she's a character <laughs> in the comics, which is... I think um, more than anything, they're like, well, we just, you know, that's where this character is going to pop up. But like you say as well, if they ever make that Nick Fury solo film, you know, that she'll probably get mm. a significant role in it. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Might never happen. Now, we before we get to this point, we, we are uh, introduced to Dr. Banner. Yes. Bruce Banner, who is such a great guy, and he goes to shitty third world countries and helps the sick and the needy, and he heals them, he lets them touch the hem of his garment, and they're healed. Very much, we establish immediately that he's an amazingly great person. He's not gone there to do humanitarian work, he's he's on the run. It's This is the thing, a lot of people didn't quite, because they recast Ed Norton uh, from The Incredible mm. Hulk between that and this film, a lot of people were sort of questioning whether or not it was part of the same continuity, even though it obviously is, because Robert Downey Jr. popped up at the end of that other film. And that that film ends with him kind of 
going on the run again and and so this mm. is just picking up with where he is they send someone in to find him but yeah they establish he's a good mm. guy as well because he's helping people out that's what he does he's a good bloke now i really like bruce banner i think mark ruffalo plays it excellently mm. um and i like how philosophical his character is like he he has got this very internal conflict mm. and i think it's a shame that any film that would like can focus on that is gonna have to have loads of hulk smash kind of action crap in it it'd be really nice to see them do a a proper hulk film with him and and do it as a character piece unfortunately Mm. it's a rights issue now and it's almost certainly not going to happen for the foreseeable future um oh really yeah like if they were going to do another hulk solo film because this film hulk wasn't that popular and then the avengers made him really popular Mm. and I always really liked the Incredible Hulk, the Ed Norton film, so I've never quite understood what it is that this does so much better. But um... I tell you what, this is the first time that Hulk is in a um, a cinematic film, and it's fun. Like I think one of the main problems with the Hulk is that Bruce Banner doesn't want to be the Hulk, and he, you know, is riled into being mm. the Hulk, and he does things he doesn't want to do when he's the Hulk. So it's not a a positive, aspirational superhero. Yeah, he's a gentle um, Mister Hyde, but... tortured soul. Yeah, which isn't fun, like being a god or having a super cool suit or super, you know, um, strength. Um, but this, in this film, they mix that up a bit and make it fun. And then I think the other Marvel films built on top of that. And I mean, a lot of people uh, made a huge thing out of how Mark Ruffalo nailed the performance, and that's why it worked this time. And I, I don't think that's fair. I think Edward Norton gave a fantastic performance as Bruce Banner, and. That's, I think Mark Ruffalo is great as well. I think they're all. Yeah, I love Mark I think Ruffalo. They're all good actors. Um, I think it's important to have a, an actor of the likability of Mark Ruffalo, though. I don't think of Ed Norton as being a warm screen presence. I think he's a very good actor, yeah. but he's not someone that I want to get cozy with in front of a fire and, you know, chat about things. They kicked him out of the franchise because he was. He's notoriously difficult to work with and gets his fingers all over the script and stuff. But yeah. but and he did that in uh, The Incredible Hulk. But then from the sounds of it, him doing that made the film a hell of a lot better, like it did with uh, American History X. It, it, from the sounds of it, the film wouldn't have been nearly as good had he not kind of thrown his toys out of the pram. So. But then I suppose you don't want that on the mm. film of this scale with someone like Joss Whedon. And, yeah. Um, well, I think what works with Mark, Mark Ruffalo is that he, at no point does Bruce Banner look like an action person, and he's yeah. a, he's a kind of a, a studious scientist, thoughtful, philosophical, and the Hulk is the complete opposite to him, and that's why mm. it works. Never mm. see, like with Ed, Ed Norton was running around uh, the favelas of Brazil or whatever he was with a backpack on, wasn't yeah. he? He was doing all that kind of stuff, even when he wasn't the Hulk. Yeah. And you'd never have to, you never have to do that with Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, and I think that that helps. Yeah, I think you're right. And and there's Mark Ruffalo's primarily quite a an indie movie guy. He's not really someone yeah. who pops up in this kind of film that often. And like I remember at the end of Iron Man three, the the big post credit sequence is um, uh, basically a little joke with Tony Stark and Bruce Banner hanging out as mates because it's post the Avengers. And I remember sitting in the cinema waiting for it and all these people being really kind of like, who the fuck was that? He's just talking to some random random guy and they like obviously didn't even recognise him as Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk, because he's quite an unassuming guy to look at. Um, yeah. But 
I, I also think he's he's got a very odd delivery for a film like this. It's again, like I say, he does a lot of indie films and it's quite a he's got quite a natural way of delivering his lines and it just seems quite un less performative than you'd expect in a film like mm. this. It's less obvious. Yeah, when, you, when you're next to like Thor mm. and <laughs> Tony Stark and stuff, yeah. And that's not a bad yeah. thing by any yeah. stretch. It's just quite He's got quite an unusual energy in this film compared to everyone else and compared to what mm. you'd expect for this sort of a thing. But it works just because of yeah, that, yeah. I think. If we're dealing with the, these characters, then can we talk about Black Widow? Then? Oh, we'll, yes, of course. We'll, yeah. uh, because okay. obviously she she works with, uh, what's his face, Fury. So mm. she's like kind of on the team anyway. So mm. she gets sent to find the Hulk. And so, and here we get the first seeds of her and Banner. Which mm. uh, we start to pay off later. Which <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll deal with that in the second film because in the first film we were very much dealing with like her and Hawkeye, and then that they obviously decided yeah. Jeremy Renner's a twat, so let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll deal with that in the second film anyway. So so yeah, Black Widow. She hasn't had her own film. When was she introduced? Iron Man Two. Right, I haven't seen that for a long time. In a kind of extended cameo, really. And she's some sort of like Cold War hangover, even though she wasn't yeah. even born in the Cold War, like because it's so far away now. <laughs> well, yeah, in 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 the comics, she's traditionally like she's done with a very you know the Russian accent. Yeah. You know, she's that sort of femme fatale figure, and they just dropped all that shit very rightly so, like wisely. Um, That's another thing. Why we're we talking about the success of Marvel. They are. They've been successful in converting their these characters with a lot of history into film characters that are establishing oh, yeah. their own st- their own background and context. So you're taking the ingredients, but then you're changing Vietnam it. War to Afghanistan mm. War, um, and that's really crucial. Was it Afghanistan in Iron Man or Iraq? Be, well, could be either. I suppose they just they pretty much. I think it's Afghanistan. in America. They're the same thing, so it doesn't matter. Um, so, but yeah, that's another another secret to their success. Really, is not getting too bogged down in being precious about the the source material. Yeah, I mean, Thor is... um, In the comic books, Thor is a a secret. Uh, He's he's a guy who's like a little crippled nerd who picks up the Hmm. the hammer and becomes Thor and is bestowed with the power and they just dropped all the secret identity bullshit because it just... It was such a thing of the 50s and it didn't need to you know, be there anymore. And I, I think the comics had dropped it in the newer issues mm. anyway. But again, it's like what you say, they kind of move with the times and adapt. And it, yeah, it's a big part of why these films have worked and what have you. And it's a, the only one that really leans into it full on is Captain America, because you can't take him away from World War Two. But then mm. the fact that they lean so heavily into it means that you get this uh, period piece set during the war, which is... Again, that's a very... Because Captain America comics were just modern, contemporary stories. So even by making it a period piece specifically, they're kind of adapting and making it a different beast, you know. Mm. So, Black Widow, here we establish her... She's being... It looks like she's being interrogated slash tortured by someone. And then the kind of reveal is that, yeah, she knows what she's doing. She's in control all the time. It's the most Joss Whedon-y scene in the film. Yeah, but it works, yeah. and it sets up her character quite nicely, and it pays off later when mm-hmm. she's talking to Loki as well, um, when she kind of does the same trick yeah. on him, and that's one of the few times where he doesn't get outwitted, and he doesn't see it coming. Hmm. So, I like that, and I think, 
I, yeah. I think Scarlett Johansson like genuinely seems to be a good actor, and it'd be nice when she goes back to doing real films again. Because, <laughs> like, but I think it's good for this character that yeah. you've got a solid actor like that because you could put a Jeremy mm. Renner in that, and and it just ha- it just be so bland and nothingness. So she mm. does, but she doesn't mm. like. There's nothing specific that I can go. Oh, she does that, and that's different to what anyone else would do. She just brings life to it, and mm. she just has enough yeah. verve yeah. and vigor about her that makes and makes this character that's quite ridiculous in the situation. Uh, just hold her, hold her weight, hold her own against the, these other gods. Yeah, mm. she's one of my favorite things in um, both of these Avengers films, yeah. actually. You know, Emily Blunt was originally cast as this character, wasn't she? And then she she had to give it up. Yeah, I think in Iron Man 2, it was going to be Emily Blunt and she was like the first choice and turned it down or didn't work out or whatever. Oh no, that was it. I think um, she had to turn it down because she was uh, filming... uh, Was it Gulliver's Travels with Jack Black? (laughs) Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I think she was on the the table for Captain Marvel, the upcoming thing as well. And her husband, John Krasinski, was one of the people who was, um, like, one of the final, final people for Captain America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, but he didn't yeah. get the role. Jim yeah, no, a bit. But yeah, like, it was, hmm, but I think Scully Hansen, she's a bit like um, Jennifer Lawrence. She's just got this kind of natural spunk about her, you know, this very kind of, um, mm. yeah, real life. And it, it comes through. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, and I much prefer it in the next one when they give her uh, more Bruce Banner to play off of instead of Hawkeye. Yeah. And uh, something else that I was moaning about in um, a film we talked about recently, Captain America 3. Is there a third Captain America? Yeah, yeah, Civil War. Okay, that one. The last one, and I was I was moaning about the, fi- the fight scenes in that, that it felt really disjointed. And mm. Well, this, the big fight scenes here, I said that they, they're really good at using these characters. Yeah. In their fight scenes, they're using their different skills. It feels like a big fight that they're all involved in in different ways, rather than oh look, here's a little scene with them, and then we're going to move to the other side of the, the airport, and here's a little scene with them. Like that's what I didn't like about mm. that preview, that one we saw that we talked about before. Mm. But this, it felt yeah, it felt like someone had a real good sense of how these characters work and why they've got these particular skills and how to use them. You know when it's the Iron Man suit, yeah, and it's in the suit. Do you think it's ever Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. in it? Or do you think he was he had the day off? <laughs> well, obviously, it's not him. <laughs> like they get him in for like a day to film all the close-ups of his face in the suit, and they probably do that like in his bed, <laughs> so he doesn't have to leave. Get up. Do you think? Do you think the other characters resent that? <laughs> do you think like Chris Evans because he hasn't got a mask on, he has to do everything, and he's annoyed. And then Banner, like bloody Mark Ruffalo, turns up for like three days of filming, and then there's just, yeah, yeah, they see this tennis ball, that's going to be the ball. How do you think Paul Bettany felt in the second one? Uh, His cushy gig went to like 12 hours of makeup. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there. Right. uh, Then Loki calls Scarlett Johansson a mewling quim. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, That's good. That's brilliant. It sounds it sounds dirty, doesn't it? But well, it is. It's 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 basically a whiny cunt, but he's sort of toned it down. Oh. twelve rating, oh. PG thirteen. I thought Quim was like uh, just a, an old fashioned offensive term for a lady. Is it for like lady bits? Is it not Shakespeare? Yeah, it's vagina. Your, your Quim is your yeah. It's your vagina. Oh, very good, very good. <laughs> So, um, love all this New York stuff at the end, with the big worm things coming out of space. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I know yeah. Alan hates action. Um, <laughs> I think this is action done about as well as you could, you know, yeah. want. It's like a really good extended um, sequence. Too long. It has Many to be long, long though. It needs to be yeah. big and epic. and That's it. This film, yeah. the culmination of like these things, it, it really did just need like a big like spunking action scene that lasts 20 minutes half an hour mm. it's it's what everyone had come to see aliens invading new york brilliant that's what you want in a film like this it's it's mm-hmm. an endless stream of enemies to be killed without feeling bad about it yeah <laughs> yeah couldn't have zombies they couldn't have robots they save that for the next one so aliens <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah anyway i i did think that there's a bit here in the end well in the new york sequence that really sums up the avengers for me because you had all these superheroes, they're saving the world, fighting giant alien monsters. And then you've got Hawkeye and Black Widow that they help evacuate a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Just get fucking useless twats. No. <laughs> I would like to ask some questions about Hulk in this end sequence. At what point does Banner go from like unable to control this raging green Hulk beast to, oh, actually, I can control it um, and I can just sort of switch it on whenever I want? The end of The Incredible Hulk. With Ed Norton. So why is he so worried about it earlier on? Because once he once he lets it out the bag, he can't like control it. He can channel it and direct it at things, but he's not in control anymore. But that's it. When he turns into Hulk earlier in the film, he's there's no control. It doesn't matter who's there. He's smashing everything. There's no there's no affiliation. There's no allies. But then in this one, it's like he can be directed. He can be you know he's like he's helping his mates out. Well, firstly, there's an obvious like load of things for him to smash the aliens in this one and they're like actively attacking him as well which uh but secondly he does like purposely become hulk at the end of this one whereas the the first time he becomes hulk he's kind of against his will and can't keep a lid on it so there's probably something to be said for his state of mind being slightly more together as well but he also says that his secret is that he's always angry yeah and so that like us in it what does that mean (laughs) what does that mean though like because the, the the suggestion seems to be that he can turn it on whenever he wants. Yeah. Because he's always got that rage yeah, ready to go. Yeah, he's furious and he just kind of keeps a lid on it because he's got good breathing exercises. <laughs> but then, <laughs> never seems to be angry ever. Because he's good at keeping a lid on it. He's good at like, he's like, God, I fucking hate everyone in this room, but I'm just here having a nice chilled out <laughs> conversation with him. Don't you feel like that, Alan? Yeah, always. I'm angry at Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what else? Big action scene, uh... aliens... Oh, Tony Stark has his sort of emotional fake sacrifice. Uh, sacrifice moment, yeah, to try mm. and give the, the film the, some... The big fake out. Yeah, which is a bit like, oh, God's sake. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we've, we've done this before, haven't we? It's just irritating. <sighs> annoyed me. Um, but it is, it is the, look, the, good, the good news is that they destroyed the mothership, and it's one of those alien races where... They're on Wi-Fi, the aren't they, once it goes destroys, down. They're all, they're all like, yeah, they're all disconnected and just collapse <laughs> right where they are. It's handy, isn't it? It's always useful when that happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a shame that is how it's done, to be honest. I think the film would be better if they had to kind of round up the aliens and, you know, put them in cages like the last <laughs> few scragglers at the end. 
Or what if they just if they were just fighting to the last man and then they had to kill, keep killing him? Mm. And but yeah. then like at that point they're just like executing. Oh look, him. it's Tony is still alive. Turn round, uppercut to the alien. Yay! Look, he's successful. Roundhouse kick, boom! Like like you could still be fighting him while they're doing. Yeah, it. and and Black Widow could like get a load of aliens lined up against the wall, and Hawkeye has to like execute them with his arrows, and <laughs> make them like on their knees. Oh no! You know what? You know when you know when he was plummeting to to death and and uh, Hulk had to grab him and sort of slow him down. Yeah, that's what they should have done. They should have just like created a huge pile of alien carcasses <laughs> so that he could sort of land in them as a relatively soft landing. <laughs> hmm. Do you think they taste good? Do you think they could farm them? Like it could be a, they're quite large. So it could be a good protein what, source. The slug things. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, yeah, so what happens there? Then there's a load of news reports saying, oh, they saved the day, place is a mess, but we'll clean it up for the next one, guys. See you next <laughs> summer. <laughs> yeah, it's only really in the in the next film where I feel like discussion of collateral damage and, mm. you know. Yeah, well, you, you, they, you were never going to bring that into this one. It's already like three hours at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. They do sort of reference it. Oh yeah, there's a couple of little mentions of it. They but, uh... they've done loads of going back to it. Iron Man three, Thor: The Dark World, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, um, to an extent Spider Man: Homecoming. Mm. A lot of the the Netflix TV shows they've all kind of picked up on it to a point. Um, mm. Yeah, but then it feels overdone now. Yeah. So we we have a couple of mid well we have a mid credit scene and then a post credit scene. Yeah. Is this Thanos? Yeah, and I don't think this meant anything to anyone at the time. No, I was. I, don't think, I still don't think it means much to many people. Like, mm. I know who he is. I've, but like, he's not that interesting a character in the comics, if you ask me. And he's mm. like, certainly just seeing some guy kind of grin. It's sort of like, all right, mm. great. But I suppose they were establishing that he's, you know. He's the big bad behind Loki, and Loki was just a pawn in his game, and there's more to come. Mm. And... and then there's the uh, post credit scene, which is just a, a funny little bit where the Avengers are eating at a restaurant, which is cute. Great little end to it. Yeah, is it reference mm. to Tony Stark when he when he doesn't die, saying, like, you know what I fancy? I want, I want some shawarma. I've never tried it. I, w- I really want some shawarma. And then at the end, they're all eating shawarma from their little like kebab house. Mm, mm. Um, should we do ratings out of ten for this one before we move on to the next one? If you will, I think it's an eight from me. I give it a sort of medium seven. Mm. I give it a nine. Oh, wow! I think this is about like peak superhero action movie stuff, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's up there. I mean, I think I would take half the X Men films and probably half the Batman films over this, but. It's. Uh, I think it's as good as Marvel ever got for me. I don't think there's a single X Men film that comes close to that. Oh, actually, maybe Days of Future Past. X Men Two. It's great. Ah, no. <laughs> anyway, um, Age of Ultron came out a few years later, and uh, how did we all feel about this? I didn't see this one at the cinema. I I saw this one on like some catch up service much later. Uh, I saw this one. Uh, about four hours ago. Ah. <laughs> so, <Classic laughs> so you only ago. just finished it for the, uh, the when we started recording. Then. No, I watched it. I watched it earlier this afternoon, but uh, yeah, I hadn't seen it before, and that's because I wasn't bothered. 
I, I was yeah. really excited and I went to see it at the cinema. I couldn't wait. Ah, we all had very different yeah. reactions. First then. Avengers was so great. Can't wait for the next one. The First Avengers was so great, but there were some sort of middling films uh, in between. Yeah, uh, but they're not Avengers. The first and second. They're just... No, but they're going to be featured in the Avengers. Like all these um, new characters and new heroes and things. There weren't that many new I think between um, between Avengers and Avengers Two, the only new character film was Guardians of the Galaxy, which didn't factor into. Oh Avengers yeah, 2. that's true. Actually. Then why does this one feel so bloated already? It's uh... <laughs> well, there are more characters. They they Rhodey War Machine, for example, is mm. in this one, even though they left him out of the first Avengers. And mm. I guess maybe yeah. that's just it. They feature a lot more of the supporting, whereas I felt like the last one was very. Contained to these four yeah, guys the, uh, and then a couple of people on the the periphery. metal wings guy he's in it. Oh yeah, and they've got um the brother and sister, the one that's better in the X Men films. What's his name? Quicksilver. <laughs> Quicksilver and Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Witch. And then I- I'll tell you, I, like um, this is sort of maybe revealing my hand early on, but I w- by the time that they were introducing Paul Bettany's character, I was so checked out. I had no idea what was going on or what this yeah. was all about anymore. I was just waiting for it to end, desperate for it to end. Oh, and Heimdall and Peggy Carter. There's a lot of them in this one, actually, aren't there? Mm. But, at least, I mean, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are villains, really, in this, aren't they? They're not, like, new heroes. They're just kind of sub-villains beneath the main villain. Hmm. Hmm. Is Loki in this at any point? No. No, he isn't, is he? I I think I read somewhere that he was, like, had scenes deleted from the film or something like that. He had a brief appearance. I think... Yeah, it makes sense to drop him in as a character. It's probably during that Mm. Thor vision thing. I I know there was a bit of behind-the-scenes conflict with making this one. Um... This is basically where Joss Whedon and Marvel's relationship broke down. And Why? I don't actually know anything about this. I, I mean, I'm reading between the lines here. I don't think anything has ever been put on the record, but it basically seems like Joss Whedon wanted to make one film. Marvel kept saying, right, that's fine, you can make that film, but you've got to put this in to set up Thor uh, 2, and you've got to like include this character and make this go over here, and he was getting really annoyed because he wanted to do one thing. Creative differences, basically, but it, it does sound like they were quite, I don't know, not gelling like they did with the first one. And maybe mm. maybe after the success of the first film, Joss Whedon had earned enough um, credibility to be left alone to make whatever he wanted. I don't know. it, Because it, it, that scene with Thor having a, a kind of vision and Go it, you know that in the middle of the film it just kind of goes off on one with this weird thing that no one really cares about. Like in Star Wars, when he goes into that tree, it's just a it's just a shit scene that doesn't really add anything to any mm. like to the film, and no one really cares about. And that's the sort of thing that seems like the result of two people like pushing against each other and not really having the same vision. And I think that contributed to how it does feel a bit bloated and less focused and what have you. Mm. I mean, I, I'll say I, I think you guys have probably lost out on a lot of the experience not seeing it at the cinema. I, I went to see it at the cinema, and I, I still really enjoyed it. And then I kind of watched it again recently, and it, it, it does feel a lot more just like a bridging film between films when mm. you're not kind of taking in the action as, as you might in on the big screen. And it's 
Yeah. But I guess at this point, the Avengers was made with a mindset that, you know, if it had been a complete disaster, that could have been the end of it. So yeah, yeah. they really were just going for broke, whereas by the time Age of Ultron rolled around, well, they were committed to Avengers 3 and 4. Mm. It was all, like, planned out, gonna happen. Everyone knew what was gonna happen, so... Um, I think, overall, I found this one to be more engaging than the last what? one. Like, the, found the story just pulled me in a bit more or something. <sighs> it's more of a... I mean, it's it's more character-driven, I would say, perhaps. There's more, like, talking. <laughs> um, mm. I can kind of see why you might think that. Yeah, I don't know why, really. It just, yeah. But definitely it felt more engaged until, again, the same thing, the last little hour. Just go, okay, now they're just fighting to the end. The bad guy will probably lose. So what is the, the plot here, really? It's... um. We, we're properly introduced to these new villains, uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, who made a cameo at the end of Captain America 2 or something. But mm, In one of them, yeah. Yeah, first of all, we have um, these guys, they're Hydra, which I thought that was like a 1940s thing, but these guys are still Hydra, right? Yeah, they come back in the second Captain America film or something. Uh... Uh, I, did, I did put a note here. Um, <laughs> the only thing that contained the Hulk is the touch of a woman. <laughs> when she calms him down, I don't get the impression that it's sexual particularly. There's nothing about sex that will stop you being a raging Hulk beast. If anything, the horniness will bring the Hulk out, in my experience. That's true, actually. Ed Norton has to <laughs> stop in uh, The Incredible Hulk because he's getting a bit too hot and heavy with Betty Ross at one point and his, his little thing starts beeping because exactly. his heart rate's going up. He's like, sorry, got to stop. So poor Hulk never gets to... That's why he's always angry! No. We've cracked it, Alan. You'd be fucking furious if he couldn't come. (laughs) But that's it. Like, yeah, Banner can't come, but Hulk can. Hulk can have his his way away, and that's how he he comes down. That's that's when he wakes up naked, shivering, and ashamed of himself. That's after he's come. Don't you achieve some sort of uh, inner peace, though, if you don't do it for so long? Your body just doesn't... I wouldn't know. Have any of us got any experience with that? How, I don't know. I don't know how long you have to go. I don't think I've ever gone longer than like four hours. Is it more than fourteen hours? <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we've done that bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've got. Uh, but yeah, so so what happens in this one? There, there's a lot of them. Just oh, sort someone's of... gonna have to explain it to me because it is very. Uh, there's a lot of talk of. Infinity Stones and stuff, and what 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 is Paul Bettany? What what is he? He well, is one of the stars. Of vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the stone made him a red man. Well, they get this Infinity Stone. I don't mean Native American when I say I would never refer to anyone of Native American <laughs> ancestry as a red man. By the way, <laughs> he is just actually red. Uh, it's Loki's scepter, isn't it? It's the Tesseract again, right? So they've retrieved this MacGuffin, and then right. they, they do a load of science on it. Tony Stark, Bruce Banner, two of the best like scientific minds in the world. They're like, wow, this thing's amazing. Look at it. It's got all these weird properties, and they analyze it in a computer. And then Tony Stark's like, mate, we can like make artificial intelligence, because this, this thing, it's it's a bit like a brain, the way the the energy is laid out, and some bullshit like that. They They kind of like make an artificial intelligence with it and mm. that goes rogue like Skynet or Frankenstein and it's voiced by James Spader 
He's, yes, he's yes. fantastic. I love James Spader. Mm. And he makes himself some robot bodies because he's he can like three D prints himself a body and becomes the new villain, which is quite a good effort at a villain to follow Loki. I don't know if it necessarily works, but it's you know I can see what they were going for. Uh, I don't know. It feels a bit rote that just oh artificial intelligence wants to eradicate humanity and well just like in you know Deep Blue Sea, Saffron Burrows had to pay the ultimate price for uh... yeah yeah she paid the ultimate price. Tony Stark doesn't. You know, it's Samuel L. Jackson doesn't give a rousing speech and then a a, a robot jumps <laughs> through the window and bites him in half. It's an alien slogan. <laughs> um, um, well, see now uh, this this whole Ultron thing, mm, right? It's just such a stupid name as well. Well, first of all, they were talking about it before before it becomes James Spader Ultron, and they were just talking about it as a kind of conceptual thing. Like, I made a note of, like, am I supposed to know what Ultron is? Is this a thing that's been established? No, I, I think they're talking about it. I think the characters say in this film, don't they? They're, they're working on it as a kind of um, defense mechanism. I think the idea is they, they build this Ultron thing, this artificial intelligence, mm. kind of like... What is it? Work as like a warning system or something? If aliens invade, it's it's meant to have some kind of defense capability, but they can't make it work because it needs to be really complex. And then when they find this potential artificial intelligence they can create, that's how they're able to kind of finish it. But then it goes rogue, causes trouble. And then Jarvis is the other artificial intelligence that Tony Stark's already made, but is like not as elaborate more of a program mm-hmm. uh, who runs his suit and he puts him in charge of, of Ultron but Ultron sort of like overpowers him and gets out oh, into the internet or something. Yeah, but that's that's it, the or something bit is where <laughs> I think me and Calvin kind of get a little bit lost. Yeah, <laughs> And then they've got some other it, it's magic even... MacGuffin because they're collecting them all and they, they're like, well, let's make Jarvis a good one to fight the bad one. You you say MacGuffin, but it's more than a MacGuffin if it creates a character. It's a magic like, I need stone. To... Yeah, but it's not just it's not like the 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 spies plans in uh, North by Northwest where we actually don't need to know what they are. It's just that the characters want them. Like here, I need to understand in some sense what this thing is if it's going to create another character. And people are talking about how important there are, and there are several of them. It's uh, you know. It's complicated. I like Vision, though. I think he's great. I know you hate him. Uh, it, it just looks really well, stupid. Yeah, but is, I can't, see, this is the thing. If you ignore his origin, I can't believe you don't like him. It's like if David Hyde Pierce was a superhero. Oh, if David Hyde Pierce <laughs> was doing it, it'd be brilliant. But it's only what it, like Paul Bettany, David Hyde Pierce. It's basically the same thing. Nah, nah. You don't like Paul Bettany? He's great. Oh, I think he's alright, but he's no David Hyde Pierce. Vision would fit in in an episode of Frasier just fine. <laughs> that's probably true if he was like their cousin yeah, yeah. Town. <laughs> and then it's like they meet him and it's like oh my god this must be what it's like when people meet us and we're really he'd annoying. have to be Daphne's <laughs> cousin from Manchester because he's got an English accent <laughs> <laughs> it's as, as close to the Manch no. accent as Daphne gets so. <laughs> uh, well I at the beginning here when Ultron was first created I quite liked him I, yeah and, uh, not just as a concept, but I quite liked the character. I wanted him to win because, it, but I and I, I think what they were trying to do with it is that because he's not human, he, he's above them in some sense. So even when he's thinking of what is best for humanity, the conclusion he comes to is create 
a massive like extinction event so only the best will survive and therefore thrive in a greater way because humanity has become uh, em- embedded in its own mediocrity i think that's what this yeah. whole thing is trying to say i think that's the whole point of it, it it's a bit messy though the way yeah. it all comes about and but i think if you'd made that clearer it would have been it more focused plus you could kind of go Oh, I understand the sense in where this is coming from, like because he's thinking about efficiency yeah. and economy, not humanity, and mm. so that's the danger of AI, isn't it? That what may be the best solution is not necessarily the human the humanitarian solution. And I I really like the the contrast between Ultron and Vision in this. When I, I like that little scene at the end that Calvin probably hates, where they kind of go like, "What are humans? I humans <laughs> are pathetic." Ah, but maybe the pathetic <laughs> part of them is why they're good. And <laughs> it's just all stuff that I've seen before and ideas that yeah, it, it, but... it presents them as like, oh, no one's ever seen this, you know, AI go nuts and try to wipe out humanity. And it's just, it's decades old. Yeah, but how many alien invasions have you seen in films before? And you still enjoyed the first Avengers. Uh, I don't yeah. go into these expecting, like, groundbreaking new concepts, because I, I don't think... I expect more than we've created a robot and it's trying to kill us all. And uh, talking of weird tangents and things going off on, you know, messy bits and what have you, uh, we go to Wakanda in this film for no reason. Mm. Mm. Way well ahead of Black Panther's release. Um, and Andy Serkis is here. Now there's a character I liked. Yeah, <laughs> as much as this whole sequence is like utter pointless nonsense and I don't know why it's in the film... I love I love Andy Serkis in it enough to just <laughs> yeah, make I was, it work. Yeah, I was really it. sad that it never sort of went anywhere with that. Yeah. Obviously setting him up for something else. But yeah, I really like... If you want a good, colourful villain, you get a white South African. I mean, that's <laughs> rule number one, isn't it? Like, it's, <laughs> well, it's weird because he's, he's in Black Panther and he gets a good bit of screen time there. But like... They never play off of the fact that he's been introduced in this. Like, we didn't need to see him before... Because you don't really know anything about who he is in this anyway. Like they just throw him in again in Black Panther, and it's like you're starting from square one again. But mm. so it's very weird. Um, but no, he's great. Chewing the scenery, doing a silly yeah. voice, brilliant. Mm, mm. I do have a couple of questions here uh, regarding those two kids, yeah, the Quicksilver and the Red Girl. Now. Um, and when I say red girl, I don't mean a uh, Native American girl. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I okay. I'm very, I'm really glad you clarified that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, who are they? Where are they from? <laughs> uh, no, but some of these get answered because from. Okay, here's what I understand: they were just some kids that got caught up in a war, uh, and Tony. And they kind of blamed Tony Stark because he was arming the people who killed their parents, right? Fair enough. And I like that Tony Stark's history is kind of catching up with him a bit there, because mm. you know, he was an arms dealer for many years. Mm. Yeah. So, and then, have they been experimented on, or were they were special and then they've just been trained or something? Or, or have I, they been experimented on? I believe they were special to begin with, because these two characters are actually mutants, as in X-Men. But due to copyrights mm-hmm. issues, they're not allowed to refer to them as such. Mm. Um, there was some weird rights yeah. crossover whereby, yeah, this and X Men were both allowed to still use these characters, but they weren't allowed to use other elements of the franchise, such as the word mutant. So, 
I think they're just ambiguous, but they're basically just meant to have been born that way. But you, you can read it as they've mm. had experiments done on them if you'd rather. It's kind of up to you. I think the idea is they've been experimented on regardless, so... Yeah. Now, I've seen um, whatever the Avengers two and a half was. Civil War. Yes. And the the Red Witch Woman was in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in that, I didn't detect any kind of vague Eastern European accent. But in this, I did. <laughs> yes. And they do seem to be having... Did they just drop that for the next film? Oh, wow. well, she's been hanging out with Vision. He's very well spoken. So he's, been... <laughs> he's been given a... It's like a sort of Henry Higgins character. Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite jarring all the different kinds of powers that we have in play here now. Because especially like her is... I mean, she's just flat out magic, a witch. Whereas being very fast is a very... Um, traditional superpower isn't it it's like the flash and plus it's nice and simple you know you've got yeah. look that's that's him that's his power yeah boom but she's got like she can do telekinesis yes, exactly. she can control people's minds she seems to be able to just make things fly with red stuff yeah it's it just doesn't yeah it's a stupid character and then you're already blending that in with a just a rich guy with a fancy suit uh, a god yeah and two sort of scientifically engineered heroes and yeah it's a bit messy I've always wished those two weren't in the film because I think Ultron would have been perfectly fine, like more than mm. enough for them to go up against. They don't need mm. these shitty, mm. bloody <laughs> kick-ass trying to do a voice. It's just <laughs> like, come on. Well, they kill him off quite quickly. It was that in response to X Men having already done the character and done it better. Um, I don't think so. Well, they, I think they just they... didn't intend to keep him around for too long. Well, they don't kill him off quite quickly. They kill him right at the end, and, no. and I because I'd seen the the other film in which she's in it and he's not. I was like, oh right, he must die at some point. Something definitely has to kick off it. When I said quickly, I, I did. I should clarify that I meant in terms of the broader universe. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Within the film. Yeah. Um. So I was sort of waiting. There must be some big moment when he's going to die, and then he dies saving Jeremy Renner. <laughs> 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 I thought he was going to get some, like, decent death. Like, either heroic or, like... Of all the ways to go. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's embarrassing. And, we, and, ev- and everyone's watching going, Oh, if only they'd killed Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> we would have let that child die. Like, that would have been an acceptable sacrifice <laughs> to get rid of Hawkeye. <laughs> oh. I wonder if they'll kill him off in the next one. He's not on the poster, or but he is in Hawkeye. the film, apparently. Oh, he'll yeah, definitely yeah. be in the film. There's no way he's not in it. But I, I, he's just a, a easy candidate for bumping off yeah. if you just want to like increase your stake numbers. Yeah, I want to talk about who's going to die in the next one. Um, mm. Yeah, I think he's a prime candidate, but we'll, we'll yeah. get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, save that for our pitchers' ideas. Mm. Pitch ideas. Mm. So yeah, I mean, anything else? Like they have a big fight. Yeah, it's quite. It's... There's a whole load of bullshit about them having to evacuate this island that they've created in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we actually—is this the first film in which Josh Bro, jo, Josh, Josh Brolin appears as Thanos? I think he might pop up in Guardians of the Galaxy at some point. Mm. Oh no! Actually, yeah. Before that, we have a new Avengers assembled, which pales in comparison to the previous team. I think. Who is there? There's. Uh, oh there's yeah, the end of Vision. the end of the film. We meet the there's... new Avengers, and they're just like. I it's know, be this it's... big moment of look a new team of Avengers. How cool's the next Avengers going to be? 
<laughs> I got the impression from that that they're like, well, we've got a team. They're not, they're not, you know, not up to much. And then he goes and looks at them, and they all go, "Hello, we're the Avengers." And then he kind of looks as if to go like, like, uh, oh my god, this is going to be a fuck up. So I, I think they were playing that. It's as a joke. I, I don't think they were, but maybe, maybe the idea is these are the Avengers until the next film. You are. <laughs> um, yeah. So who was yeah, it? Who, at the who end? is it? You got, you got Scarlet Witch. Captain America's like the leader. Yeah, and Vision. you've still got Black Widow there. Uh, you've yeah. got Rhodey. So pretend Iron Man. Yeah, and the yeah, guy with uh, wings, the Hawk Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. And is Hawkeye so, in there yeah. as well? No, he's not. Is he? No. no he's got proper Hawk Man wife. with wings. It's <laughs> yeah. 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 But then you know, add Ant Man and Spider Man, and uh, we're all set. Well, yes, Ant Man <laughs> and Spider Man would make that a cool team, but they're not in it. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, that all seems to be, yeah, because uh, all the gang are back for the for the next one. Um, and so, yeah, uh, uh, what do we think of that one then, ratings wise? I'm gonna go four. Whew. I get. I'll give it a a seven. I give it an eight. Oh yeah. Which is very generous. It's a low eight. It should probably be a seven, but I, I, mean, I think it's perfectly passable entertainment. Uh, entertainment. It's just, I just so bored. I just couldn't be bothered with it anymore. It's just too bloated. Yeah. Anyway, a third one coming out anyway. Th- there is yes, which uh, does look quite good, especially coming off of the back of Black Panther. It looks like there's quite a bit of Wakanda action and. Uh, a lot of the promotional material is making quite close ties with Black Panther, which I'm all for, because I really liked Black Panther. Yeah, they're making a big thing out of it. I don't know if it's going to be that much of a thing, or if they're just kind of selling yeah. the back of this very successful recent film. Mm, um, mm. Massive cast. Huge. Oh yeah, like, absurdly big. But like this is the thing, that like I cannot, I just can't fathom films ever being bigger than this. Because I don't know how this film's going to manage to be anything more than, like, Spider-Man for a minute, right, he's done. Captain America for a minute, right, cool. Tony Stark for a minute. Because they've got, like, Mm. they've got about 80 superheroes. Are you suggesting that that'll be a good thing? No. I'm saying I don't know how it's (laughs) going to work. Good. (laughs) Good. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not saying it'll be bad, necessarily. Uh, We'll see how they, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Who's making it? Who's writing slash directing? Oh, you're not going to be happy. It's the Russo brothers again. Who did Captain America Civil War. And some comedy that Soul likes. Well, yeah, Community and Arrested Development. Do you think uh, three, four scalps that they're going to kill, you know? Uh, yeah, who do, who do we think's going? So Vision, almost certainly. Yeah, I think Captain America is going to be a big end of movie one. I think, yeah, I think either Captain America or Thor are going to be, like, up for, like, the chopping block. And I'm not entirely mm. sure which one. I think th- I think Thor has a lot more life in his franchise that they'll appreciate. Captain America like has died in the comics and had the mantle picked up by other people. You just go, I'm Captain mm. America now. So I I could see them doing that. At the same time, I think Chris Evans is um, sick of it. No, I think he's been very open. Like, hey, I'll do as many as you want, guys. Keep me around. Right, right, Whereas I think Chris Hemsworth might be a bit more like. I'm going to go off doing my own thing. I've got better things to do, yeah. Isn't Robert Downey Jr. sick of it all now? Isn't he want to sign out? He's getting like $50 million for this film. Like, Yeah, but once you've got $50 million for the last six films you've made, like, how much more do you need? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it depends if we're talking about this as like three and four or just the third one, because I think Robert Downey Jr. is contracted in for the next one. And so they they're breaking this into two films. Yes and no. Um, mm. They announced it as parts one and two. Then they kind of changed the name and said, like, well, look, they're, they're two different films. They're not, like, just half a movie each. Um, we didn't mm. want to give the wrong impression. Mm. So I think no, they did. what's likely to happen is um, this is probably going to be a film about Thanos assembling all of the Infinity Stones or whatever they're called and then the next film will be their film about them actually defeating him and taking him on, probably. And in the comics, he does that too, because he's in love with death, the literal personification of death. So I'm wondering hmm. if Kate Blanchett's secretly in this as Hela from Thor Ragnarok, because it it seems hmm. weird to introduce that sort of that character hmm. and then not use it, but maybe she'll be in the next one. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, who else do you think might die? I reckon one of the Guardians of the Galaxy would be a very easy... Ooh. Um, maybe not in this one, maybe in the next one, but I, you could easily mm. lose like one of them and it wouldn't My- really matter. Mm. Like, you can't lose Groot or Rocket Raccoon, they're too popular, but like, Drax? You could get one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Would anyone care, though? Yeah. Mm. Marvel fans. <laughs> I, I want to say that Hawkeye could be one, but I don't know if if, if that's like a Jar Jar Bink sort of thing where they're mm. not even going to bother killing him off. Yeah, people, no, yeah I think it'll just, no one will mention him. People will cheer. This is it. I, th- I think we might lose a lot of supporting type people. Like mm. Don Cheadle's character could easily go. and uh, Oh, he should have gone in Civil War. Yeah, Captain America's mate, Bucky Barnes. Or, Bucky Barnes, or isn't it? Yeah, fucking... Neither of them could easily go, yeah. but... Mm. The Hawk's alright, he's a decent Oh yeah, I'm not saying he's bad, I just think he could he's he's at the level where you could easily kill him off and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Mm. But yeah, I think I think Thor or Captain America are both potential deaths here, and they're mm. both quite significant big ones. Thor and the trailers, like getting his head crushed by Thanos at one point, but then Mm. That probably means he doesn't die there because they probably wouldn't Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it will be Robert Downey Jr. I don't know. And obviously it's not going to be like Spider-Man or Black Panther or anything because they've got the <laughs> just just starting yeah. their new franchise off. So mm. You think they'll get uh, old Black Widow and Hulk together and then have them retire somewhere peaceful? Not Black like Widow's getting so. a solo film finally, so... Uh, oh, hooray! I think she's safe. Although it could be a prequel very easily. It would lend mm. itself to it with her. Yeah, it makes sense, wouldn't it? They're just like anything with black in the title these days. It's very popular right now. Mm. Such as, there's one. Can you name two? (laughs) Pitch Black. (laughs) Well, that nearly 20-year-old film, Pitch Black. Black Swan. (laughs) Pitch Black didn't even do that well, did it? (laughs) It did well for Vin Diesel. I don't know if it did. I think that he was able to buy the rights to it back himself because he wanted to like, <laughs> self-fund launched, the sequel because no one else would. Launched his career though, didn't he? Did it? The reason he could self-fund a sequel is because that propelled him into the uh, the old uh, spotlight. I thought that was Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Well, how do you think he got that job? Iron, no, uh, Iron Giant. Yeah. <laughs> he went into the Fast and Furious mm. uh, audition. Family. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that Vin Diesel and The Rock had had a falling out? Yeah, yeah. Did they? Yeah, they. Oh, they did. They're didn't saying they, yeah. they're not gonna like. It's gonna be really hard to make another Fast and Furious film with both of them because they're just like refusing to 
be in the same room and stuff. That's so funny. But you know that means that The Rock will just walk away because he's got plenty of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that means I'm not going to go see the next one. But he might <laughs> He might be, um, I don't know, The Rock strikes me like someone who just to get at Vin Diesel would be like, come on guys, like it's me or him and obviously you'd rather have me. And then they'll go, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Plus he can't, he can't keep making like films where he fights King Kong in the jungle again and again. That's like every film he makes these days, isn't it? He's got like three of them coming out. I'm looking forward to when he gets really old and he'll, he'll like play like the granddad who's got Alzheimer's and he'll win an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> this is about the Avengers. Yes. So we, we, we need to come up with a, a, a sequel idea of our own. Yes. Yeah, this is going to be hard. But I think we should steer clear of what they're actually going to do completely because we kind of know too much about that. Yeah. So let's just do something completely different. Let's, let's try and find a way to make the Avengers interesting in a different way. <laughs> so... Vision moves to Seattle, and his dad <laughs> and his dog like move in with him. Uh. We well, you know what I'd do. Relatively seriously, I would adapt the Marvel Zombies comics to screen to screen and just have uh, it's the Avengers. Oh shit, zombies! And... <laughs> Zombie Avengers. Yeah, I think I think you so. Can... We can kill them all off. And make them the zombies. Marvel Zombies comics are like very gory, and like you would have to make it a R-rated, like at least film to get away with it being authentically that. But I think you could. You're saying Marvel Zombies comics, like I know what that means. You're gonna have to give me a bit of background. Here. Okay, he's definitely talked about them before. Yeah, but I don't know anything. I don't know what. I think you could tone it down and keep the spirit of it. Make a kind of PG-13, you know, World War Z level of like zombie movie. Uh, right, Marvel Zombies, the comic, is, um, it start, it's like a spin-off. They did a, a story arc in the Fantastic Four comics where Mr. Fantastic, or whatever he's called, uh, he's like another one of Marvel's big super scientists, uh, creates this, this thing that picks up a distress call from another parallel universe, and uh, the, the multiverse is a well-established thing in Marvel Comics. It might become a well-established thing after this yeah. film, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if that's an avenue they start going down in future films to try and get away from how big they've become. And yeah, it's a distress call. He eventually builds a machine that allows him to travel to their world and save them, and then when he gets there, it's these zombies, and he's like, oh shit, and it turns out that in this reality, this zombie virus thing turned up. The first people on the scene, like when the outbreak was happening, were naturally super beings. So they got infected. Mm. And so you had zombie superheroes who were able to like fly around and just consume like the entire planet within like a day. And so it's it, it was a spin-off series that they ended up making about what happened where just basically half the Avengers uh uh, zombies walking around starving trying to find people to eat <laughs> um, hmm. Tony Stark's flying around, his legs got chopped off so he's just kind of in his suit with the jetpack, like the top half of him Captain America's brain's hanging out because his shield went like through the top of his head Wolverine's... It makes no difference to his personality yeah. <laughs> Wolverine's in there and he's sort of his body's trying to regenerate him, but it's not really working. So he's got all his hmm. adamantium like bones poking through his skin. It, it's all like, oh, uh, Ant Man. Uh, he he becomes like 
giant man but then shrinks down to ant man when he's eating people so the meat lasts longer it's it's all sorts of like weird fucked up stuff like that and it's it's a really cool series that they kind of ran into the ground by keeping it going too long but um they did a lot of really great fun stuff with it and i i do think Mm. you could kind of take elements of that much like they took elements of you know uh world war hulk and planet hulk these things which then became parts of thor ragnarok they just kind of took him as a gladiator and in space and these elements like that and wove it into a new film i think they could very Hmm. easily take oh yeah zombies and make a really good little uh not little (laughs) big horror tinged um action movie avengers kill off a load of them in the process and make it like a worldwide apocalyptic thing and then again we've got a villain zombies that you can kill without feeling bad about it like robots and aliens yeah yeah, I think that's good. I think that's, yeah, that's a great little, like, you could just do a one-off film about that, have those mm. elements in it. Okay, so, if you were making the zombie Avengers, uh, which Avengers would you make zombies? <laughs> well, in uh, this is the thing, it depends. It depends how many you're willing to sacrifice. If in, in the comics, they did the thing of sidestepping to a parallel universe, and they've done a few. I think one of the, the story arcs they did was kind of the zombies get into the quote-unquote real world. Um, hmm. but then they were only willing to like let them go up against Z-list heroes no one had ever heard of that could die. But if we, if we could we could keep the possibility that you can become a zombie and, and then be sort of reverted back, like you, there's a cure or something like that. Or yeah, working I guess a in a film like this that wouldn't be too unreasonable. But which characters would you make into zombies because it, they'd be the best? They'd be the well, one of the best ones in the comics was Spider Man because he's he's one of the few characters mm. that like really after they've like fed it kind of satiates them and it, it brings them back to like reality and they become who they are. So Peter Parker becomes really mournful and like cries about the fact that he ate aunt may and mary jane and all the others are like, oh, for fuck's sake you like grow up mate and he's like you know really sad about it but it's quite a nice dynamic that it adds into the mix he's one of the better ones uh you'd have to have ant-man like i say because he has this whole thing going on in it with uh there's a whole thing with him actually i think he's got black panther in like a freezer in a secret lab and he kind of he's trying to work on a cure so he like cuts a little bit of his leg off every day and shrinks down to eat it so that he's like able to think and then kind of does his work in the lab. Because uh, mm. that's another thing, actually. Scott Pym, I think he's called, Ant-Man, is uh, another one of these brilliant scientists in the comics. And they, um, <laughs> I think they've toned it down a little bit in the film. He's not quite as great a, a mind as Tony Stark <laughs> or what have you. But... The mind of Paul Rudd. Yeah. <laughs> You, you kind of just end up with this gang of roving, like, remaining heroes, the, the last few surviving ones, and then they end up, like, at one point travelling into space and eating, like, the entire universe because they realise there's all these aliens and stuff. They ego the the uh, living planet from Guardians of the Galaxy 2 at one point. Nice big meal for them. <laughs> Howard the Duck as well. They did a crossover with Evil Dead, Army of Darkness comics. And Ash teams up with Howard the Duck, so hmm. at the rate that like Disney are buying things, like that might actually become a reality someday. <laughs> yeah. Like that they could actually do that. Do comics have different licensing rules or something to allow these? 
bizarre crossovers. Yeah, you, you know, you, like you buy the film rights and the comic rights and that sort of thing. So yeah, Marvel's nearly like completely reassembled at this point. If this Disney Fox deal goes through, then that's the X Men and Fantastic Four back at Marvel, and the only outlier is. Uh, Hulk, who can't have a solo film anymore, but can otherwise be in the film. So that's pretty much the whole thing back together. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that'd be a good catalyst for a film. It might not feel very in yeah. tone with the Avengers uh, as it is on screen. It might alienate a few families to make it a kind of light horror movie. Mm. So it probably never happen. And this is why they'll probably never make a Marvel Zombies movie in reality, is that... Um, you kind of need to make it big like the Avengers and it's too, you know, it needs an R rating to be done properly, kind of. It's, you you could maybe get away with doing a smaller version of it like Logan if uh, Marvel, Cinematic Universe Marvel ever decide to start getting really experimental like Fox has recently with um, the X-Men property, but I think they're they're probably going to play it a bit too safe. And I could only really see it happening as like a Netflix series because they're willing to be a bit more gritty mm. and dark. But then ninety mm. percent of the appeal is seeing it happen to these, you know, characters that you like from the big movies and so on. So I don't think it'd really work as well if it was Jessica Jones fighting zombies. I don't know. Mm. So it'll probably never happen. Well, like you said, like you said, Saul, that they'll they'll sort of take elements from it. Yeah. And pull that well, in. this is it. I I think I, like I could it. see that happening as a big thing, like a proper thing. And they've got this Venom movie coming out, which is, I think, an R... Is that R-rated? Or certainly shooting for kind of a more mature vibe like Logan did and this X-Men horror movie they've got coming out, New Mutants and stuff. So they, like, there will be a precedent for this sort of thing down the line. It's just maybe not the third Avengers. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's something they could do with, like, Avengers 8 when they have to get a bit more avant-garde. Are there any other new characters that can be brought in that we're not aware of yet? Oh God! I mean, I'm sure there's, there's dozens. There's, yeah, there, but I mean, any like Sol, you know about this. Like, what's what's a good one that we can try and work on? I don't know if there's any good ones left. There's, there's. <laughs> I mean, off the top of my head, um, there's a character who is like a. If I think they're they're kind of like a little. This the comics are full of these Avengers style teams, and there's a. There's a team of characters that's kind of like a little southern state American Avengers. So there's a guy who's like a big sunflower like group <laughs> who's got like sunflower <laughs> powers. There's a there's a, a woman who like raises cattle ghosts from the dead to trample people or something. Like honestly, it's the weirdest like <laughs> there's some proper shit. <laughs> characters. Um, Spider-Man's kind of an untapped resource within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, this is the thing. If if um, if we're talking about the big hitters, you've got loads of Spider-Man villains who aren't part of this world yet, like Green Goblin and Doctor Octopus. And... If we wanted to create a new superhero, it's like, come on, we need new fresh blood. Where's this? What's the source material that we can make it? We can make it something else. We can make it bigger. We can make it slightly different or whatever, more cinema friendly. But what's a, what's a good hero that we can we can pull in? The Squirrel Girl. <laughs> yeah, the Squirrel Girl. I think that'll happen at some point. It'll either be on TV <laughs> yeah. or as a film. I wouldn't be surprised you, if they do it. Can you give me a bit of context of Squirrel Girl? She's a, she's this really popular. Um, I think quite modern character. Um, we do need more female superheroes, so we're on the right track there. She might have existed for a while, and it's only recently they've kind of 
mm. given her own her her own line of comics or something. But um, there's a there's a series of comics called Squirrel Girl, and it's meant to be brilliant. People rave about it, and I, I think it's just very sarcastic and self aware nonsense, kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy, I suppose, about this person who's got the powers of a squirrel. And I, I think <laughs> is that any more ridiculous than a Batman? Yeah, I mean, I think she will make her way into the the Marvel world at some point, definitely. Um, mm. Howard the Duck, I think, is a prime candidate, actually. I, I do think that maybe they won't call it Howard the Duck. Maybe they'll call it, like, Guardians of the Galaxy 4, and it'll be Howard the Duck and, like, Star-Lord on a buddy cop thing. But I do think Howard the Duck's got quite a lot of potential to be given a, a film in this world. Obviously the X-Men, like I say, if this Fox deal goes through, then they're almost certainly going to start from scratch with those guys. So you've got Fantastic Four and X-Men to be relaunched within this world. Similarly speaking, there's loads of Ghost Rider, who I think they've just done on TV, but they could, I don't know, maybe try again <laughs> in the films. Blade is a big one, who they've just got the rights back for again. And there's talk again that could be a Netflix series very easily, but he could be like his yeah, whole, you know, they could easily make a, you know, add in a kind of darker horror themed element to the Marvel film series and do Blade and characters like that because they've got this, you know, they're constantly looking for new flavors to to add into the mix. There's there's loads, but they've all kind of had films in one form or another before, and in terms of. Um, like virgin characters who haven't had a film at all. I'm I'm not sure. There's not many good. I mean, ones I'm there. I'm very interested in Squirrel Girl. Um, <laughs> so, who would you get to play Squirrel Girl? Alison Breeze, someone who's often thrown up as a potential person. Yeah. Who's Who's Alison Bree? Uh, she's in Community and Glow. Oh, yeah, 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 she was yeah, in the Disaster Artist, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. She's. I think she's Dave Franco's girlfriend or. Ex girlfriend, yeah, in the in the film, yeah. I, I mean, in real life. Oh, is, oh, is she? Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that explains why she was in that film. Yeah, I think Squirrel Girl gonna be right on my alley, actually. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm just looking. So her first appearance is in Marvel Superheroes Volume Three, Number Eight, which uh, when was that? Came out in 1991. Oh, okay. But um, I think she's been. I think basically a writer picked her out and was like, "Oh, this is so stupid," and just made like a proper postmodern comic book series with her more recently and that's why people love her now. She's appeared in Marvel Zombies according to this, but I haven't read this. It sounds like a more recent thing. So has Squirrel Girl got any enemies? There's Grey Squirrel Girl who is her <laughs> mortal enemy. <laughs> you always have to have the yeah same thing. Yeah, so there's a grey and a red version. Mm-hmm. And when I say red squirrel, I don't mean a Native American squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. I think she can command or at least communicate with squirrels. But I'm just guessing that's on her. Oh, that's the best. Let's see. Because squirrels she... are everywhere, so so long as she's in a park, yeah. she'll be fine. Enhanced strength, <laughs> speed, agility, reflexes, small claws, enlarged incisors, <laughs> retractable knuckle spike, semi-prehensile tail. That means she can use it to climb and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Empathetic bond with squirrels. There we go. She's just no good in the uh, in the winter months. She's very sleepy and <laughs> can't really do all that much. Can communicate with squirrels. And then it says, like Monkey Joe and Tippy Toe. So I guess she's got a couple of squirrel sidekicks that follow her around, maybe. Ah! That's amazing! <laughs> oh, that's great. 
Brilliant. <laughs> hey, you know, we've, we've been pitching this whole squirrel sidekick idea in a few pictures now. Uh, oh, yeah. In previous <laughs> episodes. So this is, yeah. I think it'll happen. And like I say, a lot of people are saying it's going to be TV. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a film of it. They might chuck her in with two or three other people, but I, I think she'll probably turn up. So what's our pitch? Squirrel girl fights zombies. Or are these, is yeah. this... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or is it like Captain America Civil War and like she's the Black Panther character that just gets like 15 minutes in the middle for no reason? Yeah, we do We do the zombie Avengers and she's introduced in that and then she gets her yeah. own film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Right, that's the end of the show. Let's sign off. Avengers. Right, goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> right, I, I shall avenge you. <laughs> <laughs> We need to do an end tag that comes on after the episode. Well, this is, oh, this right, is our mid, yeah. mid, mid-credits sequence. Samuel L. Jackson comes <laughs> It should out. just be us eating. Yeah, into, very loudly. How is your sashimi? Sashimi. Sashimi. What is it, sorry? Shawarma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, how is your um, shawarma? <laughs> Japanese. I thought we were doing Japanese bond. Sashimi. Yeah, because he had sashimi. Sashimi. Yeah. I think I, I just go Sean Connery when sh- I <laughs> impersonate myself Sharky. from eating. Served at the correct room Sharky. temperature. <laughs> 112 Kelvin. <laughs> James Bond will return. Yeah. Hey, do you like that at the end of Marvel films, Calvin, when they go like... Spider-Man will return in Untitled Spider-Man Project. Do they, they do that? <laughs> yeah. All but pretty much all of them have got like Thor will return in Thor Ragnarok and Captain America will return in Captain America Civil War. Oh. Diminishing Returns will return in their 100th episode.